If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cool Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grawn, your wail. From giants right down to fairies, about the trooping and solitary, and close to us sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Meryl Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore or mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olahan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 178 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have a story of Fionn McCool. This is the tale of Fionn and the King of the Giants. But first, a very big warm welcome to all of you new and returning listeners. If this is your first episode, this actually wouldn't be such a bad one to dive in with. Have a listen to this, and if you enjoy it, listen to the last few, or maybe even go right back to the very beginning, uh, three and a half, nearly four years ago now, and see the journey of Fireside thus far. And if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so much for your continued support. All the usual things, if you have not done so already, follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard. That's the best place to message me with any queries or just to say hello. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com if you're not on social media ways you can support the podcast is you can tell a friend referrals are always great uh, you can buy my poetry book would probably be my favorite way you can support the podcast garden sea over at headstuffpodcast or on headstuff.org in paperback or on kindle version via amazon we can ship the paperback all over the world we actually just sent our first one to sweden this week which was very exciting to take it to scandinavia for the first time uh, I hope you enjoy that when it arrives. And if, if not, you can, of course, join Headstuff Plus over on headstuffpodcast.com, where for as little as five euro a month, um, you can gain access to all to bonus material for all of the podcasts on the Headstuff Podcast Network and more of them. There are every couple of months. The network continues to grow and grow. Okay, those are all of the plugs out of the way. No hard sells on any of those. I am coming to you from St. Kilda, just outside of Melbourne, um, or kind of like in a suburb of Melbourne, I believe it is. It's like very close to the city centre anyway. Uh, still on tour with the World of Musicals. We had actually our biggest, we played in our biggest theatre tonight, the Palais Theatre in St. Kilda. I believe it's the largest proscenium arch theatre in Australia. So it was a great, great buzz to to play there tonight. Um the show's just down. The rest of the cast have gone out, but I'm here recording uh, this week's episode before, which to get out and get back ahead of things on the podcast. This habit of because it's very it's tricky um, to naturally get the recording time specifically, as I've said 
when you're on the road as much and you're not often in uh, acoustically sound environments, shall we say. Uh, but this habit of recording two at a time has allowed me to keep fairly on top of things while I've been away, including going to Vietnam and everything in the last last month. Um, so I am here. I am still awake. I'm still running on the fumes, the adrenaline of the show. And we, how could I not be when we've got a story this week of the Fianna? Uh, yes, so this is coming from the story this book that I used as a source for my look at the Battle of Ventry of the past few weeks. It is Ushin Bard of Aaron and the Battle of Ventry uh, by John Hawkins Simpson, a translation of the original Irish texts. And this was, uh, the main portion of this book was a very, very long look at the Battle of Ventry, hence what split it into the the four episodes that we did over the past uh, couple of months uh, but I also, I'm reading through it, found a number of other stories, some of which were just other versions of stories of the Fianna that we've already looked at, such as uh, it had a tale of Deirdre of the Sorrows in there. I think there was a pursuit of Dermot and Grania as well. Uh, a couple of different Fenian tales that we have already looked at. But then it also had a good number of stories that... I had not come across before, which is, of course, something I always like to look out for, especially with the characters that we've looked at and met so many times, such as Cúchulainn and Fionn McCool and any of the really, really heavy hitters like Lou or any of the Tua de Danann. Um, so especially after looking at the Battle of Entry and being back in this second kind of Fenian cycle, um, these have been great. But I found a new subcategory of them, which takes us right back to the very first episode of Fireside, the story of Fionn McCool and the Giant's Causeway, which if you remember from that story or if you have not listened to that episode before, uh, tells the story of Fionn McCool in the form of a giant based on the belief that giant that mortal heroes in ancient ireland in mythology as their legend grew they physically grew in size to become giants just as the gods shrunk over time as people stopped believing them and then they became fairies i thought the giant's causeway was an isolated incident because in none of the other stories of the fenian cycle is fion usually mentioned as a giant um he is just a mortal man a, a demi a demigod, in, in a sense, he is the descendant and the child of gods um, on his mother's side. And his he falls in love with a goddess and his, his children are the children of gods. Uh, but he himself is, is mortal born. And But then I found these other stories also of Fionn as a giant. So it seems there's this own subcategory of not only Fionn, but of all of the Fianna as giants. And we'll chat more afterwards, but I thought this was a perfect one to start off with these few collection of Fianna giant tales. This is Fionn McCool and the King of the Giants on Fireside. Fionn McCool and the King of the Giants. It has been said before that when the immortal gods were forced underground and into the other world by the rise of Gaelic mortal men, they became smaller and smaller until becoming what we know as fairies. The reverse is true for mortal heroes who grew in physical size as their reputation grows to become giants. The reverse is true for mortal heroes who grew in physical size as their reputation grew to become giants. 
We have heard of when the Fenian leader, Fionn Macool, became a giant and built the giant's causeway to fight his rival, Benan Donner, on the coastlines of Scotland. But did you know that there are other Fionn giant tales? In fact, did you know that it was not just Fionn who grew to become a giant, but so too did the other warriors of the Fianna? To some it seems that the warrior clans were always giant. A thought surely to explain their astonishing prowess and near invulnerability in battle. But one day Fionn sat on the east coastline of Era, paddling in the water with his tree-trunk legs, when a great wooden curra the size of a passenger ferry came into view, with a lady giant pulling the ship along. Fionn McCool, I am the daughter of the King of Giants, she said, and my father has heard of your greatness and longs for you to dine with him this evening. Fionn was a mercenary and respected authority, and he was also not immune to flattery. So gathering a few of his servants, Fionn accepted the offer of the giant princess, and together she paddled them all back to Graffi in the eastern world, to the king of the giants. When they arrived in the east, the princess asked Fionn to wait aboard the ship while she went up to the colossal castle to tell her father of the arrival. The king of the giants had not smiled in seven years. He had been immensely overcome with grief following the death of his wife and vowed to never be pleasant again. His daughter couldn't even remember what her father's smile looked like. Frequently she would ask him, Is there anything I could do to make you smile again? Yes, her father would say. The only thing that could make me smile again would be to grasp the hand of the lord of the Fianna, Fionn Macool. That day, the princess triumphantly marched into the court of her father and proudly proclaimed, Father, today is the day you smile once more. Down in my curra in the harbour is sat Fionn Macool. Today you may finally grasp his hand. It did not even take the physical touch. Once the princess told the king this news, he began to smirk then smile, and then uncontrollably laugh. No one in the court knew what to do. There had not been such an alien sound for seven years. Should they join in? Should they stop it? The giant king continued to bellow until the roof of the court erupted from its rafters. Soldiers marched down to the harbour, and Fionn was ambushed. His feet were tied to his two ears, totally incapacitating the Fenian warrior like a rabbit in a snare. Fionn's servants were killed, and their leader was brought before the king of the giants. The king's intentions with Fionn were more nefarious than simply wanting to shake his hand. The king wanted to make the giant of Era bleed, and he did so in a particularly diabolical way. Fionn was treated to Hela Noreta, or the drop of the kingdom, an unusual poison that would be the equivalent of sulfuric acid today. Each drop incinerated through Fionn's skin, marrow and bone, leaving the Fenian lord howling in an agony so loud it was heard as thunder back in era. 
For an entire year and a day, Fionn was tortured in the land of the giants, and back home, his presence was particularly missed. But it was Dermot O'Divna, Dermot of the Love Spot, Fionn's most loyal ally, who in another life or another tale, would betray Fionn by running off with his betrothed Gráinne. But it was Dermot who vowed to go in search of Fionn and bring him back to the Fianna. The treacherous Gull MacMorna said, It would be no great loss to the Fianna if neither you nor Fionn ever returned. What's your problem, man? asked Dermot, who was then determined to find his leader. Fionn had been last sighted sitting on the east coast, so that is where Dermot's search began. He built a curra of his own and set sail east. It was not long before he came across another boat, this one with a giant aboard so large you could see entire mountains between his legs and nothing above his head. Who are you? asked the giant. I am Dermot of the Fianna, and I am searching for Fionn Macool. Fionn is in the custody of my father, the king of all the giants, and you will never get to him before first defeating me. I will easily and gladly do so, said Dermot, who while a giant himself was minuscule in comparison to this Goliath. But let us not fight here at sea. Let us sail to your homeland and do it there. The prince of the giants agreed, and the two of them tethered their curras and completed the journey back to the land of the giants. There, the prince asked, How would you rather fight, man of the Vienna? Would you rather we wrestle or bloody each other with spears? Let us fight with our hands. My fast and nimble body will easily outmaneuver yours, which is slow and clumsy. And there the two began to wrestle, and each time one threw the other to the ground it caused a tremor in neighboring countries. But Dermot was correct. His smaller size did give him the advantage of speed, and he was by no means a weak man. And after the right dodge, Dermot seized the prince around his arms and waist, incapacitating him before pummeling him into the earth as a nail in a wooden board. Just before Dermot kicked the head clean off the giant, the prince cried out, Wait! If you spare me, I will give you a solid gold apple. So powerful, it will kill any who you strike with it. And not only that, but the apple will also return to you with each throw. Dermot agreed to spare the prince, and the golden apple was produced. Then... The man of the Fianna asked his giant victim, Now, who will I test the power of this apple out on? Anyone you want, said the prince. It will slay anyone it meets. Well, I see no one uglier or better suited than you right here. And Dermot took the golden apple and pitched it right through the prince of the giant's skull and the bloodied gold returned to his hand like a boomerang. Dermot O'Divna then went to the castle of the King of the Giants to rescue Fionn Macool. He banged on the shield that hung from the castle gates. It clattered with a doom, doom, doom. A messenger emerged from the above window and asked, What do you want? I have come to free Fionn Macool. Send down seven hundred of your best men to fight at my front, 
and 700 to fight at my back, and 700 on either side. So 2,800 giants were soon flanking Diarmuid on all sides. Their size made day seem like night. And the Fenian was not afraid or discouraged, and he cleaved through the horde of giants like a hawk in a field. When the giants lay dead, the messenger went to the king to tell him the news. The messenger asked if they should send more men. No, said the king of the giants. I will not have any more of my men die on my behalf. I will fight this Fenian in the morning. Diarmuid was brought this news and was told to wait in a bothy near the king's castle to eat and sleep for the night. The fight would happen in the morning. In the bothy, Diarmuid found many other giants much bigger than him. They began to converse, and the other giants asked what class of giants were in Ireland at all. And what do Irish giants do for fun? They laughed. Well began Dermot. One thing we Irish giants, we humble Irish giants, like to do is to play a game where we throw money on the ground, and whoever is the first to pick it up gets to keep it. Would anyone like to play? This seemed like a very stupid game to the other giants, but they were not about to turn down free money. So all the great big brutes went to the other side of the bothy, and Dermot produced the golden apple from his pocket. The giants prepared to catch the shiny object, and instead, the bloodbath began. The golden apple went through the meaty skulls of every giant until there was a great pile of meat and flesh and bloodied bone. The golden apple had not lost one bit of its shine. Meanwhile, the king of the giants decided he wanted Fionn Macool to witness the death of his comrade. So the Fenian leader was produced from the dungeon of the castle and was bathed in healing ointments to cure the year of being waterboarded with acid. Fionn knew every one of the Fianna intimately. He knew each of their fighting styles. And when he heard it was Diarmuid who had come to rescue him, Fionn knew that Diarmuid fought best when he was in a rage. And he worried that if they waited, Diarmuid might have calmed down, giving the king of the giants the advantage. So Fionn said to the king, We must get out of the castle onto the battlefield before Diarmuid brings the whole thing down upon us. So before dawn had even crept over the horizon, the king of the giants was fitted into his armor. It took enough steel for five barns to cover the king's trunk arms and legs, his barrel chest and passage tomb head. Diarmuid stood to face him wearing the armor of the son of the king whom he had slain the day before. The king recognized the armor, and he recognized the golden apple in Diarmuid's hand. I see that glint, boy, said the king. That will not work on this, he said while bashing his own armor with his spear. I had that apple crafted, and it cannot be used to kill me. Diarmuid thought this was a trick and threw the apple at the king's head. Sure enough, the gold dented the giant's helmet, but it did not pierce through and it did not return to Diarmuid's hand. Had this been the prince's failsafe all along? You'll have to fight me the old-fashioned way, said the king. Luckily, Diarmuid was more than ready. For three days and nights, the two giants fought, while Fionn watched bound and helpless at the sidelines. On the third day, the king of the giants seemed to be gaining the upper hand on Diarmuid, 
but fortunately, Fionn managed to wriggle free of his bonds and stuck his fateful thumb into his mouth and had a chew. Fionn's thumb of all knowledge told him to tell Dermot to strike the king between his neck and shoulder. Fionn called this strategy to his ally in combat. Dermot heard him and saw that between the neck and shoulder of the king's armour there was a gap. With a step back and raising his sword high, Dermot brought the sword down and cut the head from the king of the giants. Dermot released Fionn from the remainder of his bonds, and the two Fenian men were reunited. Neither were particularly vengeful members of the Fianna. They usually left that behaviour to Gaul and Conan Muel. But a lesson had to be learned of what would happen to those who attempted to deceive and undermine either Fionn or the Fianna. So Dermot found the princess of the giants who had brought Fionn in the first place, and found the two largest and most undisciplined colts in the kingdom. The princess's arms were tied to one horse and her feet to the other. Then each was whipped, running in the opposite directions and tearing the princess of the giants apart. Finally, Fionn Macool and Dermot O'Divna looted the land of the giants and sailed back to Era to their brethren in the Fianna. Gaul would have to wait another day to see if the Fianna would be better off without either Dermot or Fionn. To be continued. Hello, my name is Dave Coffey and I am the host of Phoning It In, the hilarious improvised phone-in show. It's like Joe Duffy's Liveline, except we make it all up on the spot. That's right, I get a bunch of comedians into the studio and they have no idea what they're going to be talking about until I introduce them on the air. We have just recorded a 100th episode special featuring 15 of the best comedy performers in the country. Go and check that out, binge the other 99 and become a lifelong fan of Phoning It In with me, Dave Coffey, right here on the Headstuff Podcast Network. And there we have the tale of Fionn McCool in the land of the giants on Fireside and I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, there's a couple of things right off the bat with this. So with the Fenian cycle, which certainly from my sources that I was going from, my main one, which was course lady gregory's complete irish mythology uh, there aren't there isn't this story and there aren't really stories like this um and the fenian cycle seems to be for the most part everything to my knowledge everything that happens in the fenian cycle moves it along and it is the story of you know the rise and fall of fion and the fianna and Certainly how I like to do it was like to tell, because naturally with any mythology there is a huge amount of contradiction, but I tried to tell one kind of seamless story or just like to have some flow of events from Fionn's birth to his death and the aftermath of the Fianna with Tyrion and Oak. But here we have a tale that kind of exists in no time and every time. So that's why I leaned. There's nothing particularly in this that states that they have to be giants except that it is the land of the giants and we have to believe that Dermot was be capable of wrestling one himself. But yes, to my knowledge, there was never anything about it. I've never encountered anything that had any other members of the Fianna as giants. So we have no mentions of Oshin and Oscar, um, Fionn's son and grandson respectively, um, but there is mention of Dermot. 
So it has to be before the pursuit of Dermot and Grania when where Dermot died and where he died um not because of Fionn, but Fionn does not save his life uh, because Fionn was the one who was meant to, meant to marry Grania and Dermot runs off with her. So it has to have existed before that, but Oshin um was certainly alive and an adult by that point. Uh, but then you're getting too in you're thinking about it too much. That's uh, getting into too much detail and misses the point of what mythology and this kind of storytelling is about. And that brings us back to what I really like about this story is that this is really like a fairy tale. Not necessarily in content-wise. Not too many fairy tales have a princess being torn apart by horses at the end. Well, maybe some of the grim tales might. I don't know. I haven't gone that deep into them. Um, but I haven't read any like that so far. Uh, but there, there is very few characters in this. I didn't have to cut many characters that only appeared once, as I did in the Battle of Entry from this same source, all of which links will be in the description below. Um, whereas this very was a very focused tale, very simple to get, because it is just a Jack and the Beanstalk kind of going Fionn going to the land of the giants then Diarmid following to rescue him all very simple with nice things to mark the way such as the journey over the princess the king the prince the golden apple the boomerang murderous golden apple is incredible um and finally this defeat the only thing I really added um was a resolution to the golden apple the golden apple kind of goes away and there's no mention of why Diarmid doesn't use the golden apple in the battle with the king at the end. So I just thought maybe it'd be nice if we, if the king would know about this apple, considering it was his son who gave it to Diarmid in the first place, and that it couldn't be used to defeat him. So they had to fight themselves. We have, of course, Fionn sucking on his thumb, as he is wont to do. In this John Hawkins Simpson source, uh, it actually mentions that uh, it is thought, at least in this verse, that. Um, the chewing of the thumb is a reference to Fionn biting his nails. And this was a, like a thought of like the origin of that as a habit of biting your nails when you were in deep thought was a way of like chewing on your thumb to gain all the knowledge of the world, which I thought was a very interesting angle for it. And it just made a comment of this revered hero being uh, famous for what is regarded as such a disgusting habit today. Um... <laughs> But yes, I found about two, maybe three other of these, of these Fionn giant tales, as I'm loosely calling them at the moment, where the Fionn are, they form a, part, a section of the book just after we have Oisin meeting with St. Patrick and recounting all of the tales of the Fionn, and that's kind of told in the first person. But we have a few other tales um, that just remind me very much, and the naming of this is very similar to Thor in the Land of the Giants, but maybe it is the giant theme. Uh, there actually is a reference to that this might be inspired by Norse mythology, but I'm getting a real Norse mythology vibe from this. Least of all because the last time we did a story of Fionn before the Battle of Ventry was when I literally did the Irish adaptation or the Irish version of Thor in the Land of the Giants, which was Fionn in the Old Man's House, of which I have found another version of, which... I'm still debating if it's too similar or if it is actually a totally different tale. Um, so that could be one. That's why I say like two or three. It might be three more. But we have a few more of these fun tales to go, which is great. Um, uh, I hope you will all enjoy these. And these real isolated, as I say, like story stories, 
that you can listen to out of context and then go back to the other Fenian tales and it's nice to exist in this kind of interworld that's in my head I'm saying that this that the life of Fionn as a giant and the life of all of the Fionn as a giant is almost separate whether it's in a different dimension or universe or it's a totally separate life a rebirth that they all have after death to become giants and a whole new cycle of tales to go with them so that's how it makes sense in my head and I hope it does in yours but with that, I will wrap things up again for this week, folks. I uh, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Next week, we'll have episode 179, so we're nearly at 180. Um, I hope you enjoyed the Aboriginal tale that I did last week, The Seven Sisters. I'd spoken that I wanted to do, um, I've been look on the lookout for Irish-Australian folklore. Um, and I found a number of... Uh, of tales that are more first people tales rather than about the Irish Australian experience. Um, so I'm still trying to figure out like what's appropriate there and, you know, want it to be suitable for the podcast. And, um, but I'm having a look through some of them and everything. Uh, Cause like there are some really, really great tales there. And if it feels right and natural for Fireside, of course, we'll do more of them. And if any, that's something that you all would be interested in, of course, but for now, uh, perhaps it's being in Victoria. Um, I've been around his lands for a little bit now. And especially after doing Brian Baru and Gronuel, he's a little more recent than we would like to, but I think he totally fits the Fireside criteria. I'm going to do a couple of, es- a couple of episodes on Australia's great folk hero, a great Irish Australian folk hero of Ned Kelly. So next week we will have a tale of Ned Kelly, similar to how we looked at Grace O'Malley. Uh, a look at a, a historical figure is something delicate, but I'm interested in it from an angle of like why a bush ranger who was famous for, if anyone who doesn't know, Ned Kelly was essentially like, he was called an outback Robin Hood. Uh, he stood for a huge amount of, uh, of rebellion against British oppression against Irish convicts in Australia in the early days of the country. He was known as the last of the Bush Rangers. His legacy has been incredibly debated. There have been more books written about him than any other Australian and numerous movies made about him. Um, but I went to, we went to Melbourne Old Jail and learned a lot more about him and got to visit Glen Rowan where his last stand was. So I've been really, really... Um, just thrown like quite unintentionally initially just into a world of Ned Kelly so as he has shown himself to me so naturally it would be I feel he's perfect for a next thing I was going to do to do one episode but as always happens I just discover a wealth of stuff and didn't want to rush him and so might have a couple of episodes on Ned Kelly as well as our next folk hero to look at on Fireside but that's all to come so if you haven't done so already follow me over on Instagram at Fireside Bard Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Order my book, Garden Sea, uh, in paperback or in Kindle version. All the links are in the description below. We can ship to anywhere around the world. Um, Join Headstuff Plus at headstuffpodcast.com. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 
If you want to support this podcast and get a full ad-free episode, sign up to Headstuff Plus. Plus.